This podcast contains swearing, drinking, lame dad jokes, descriptions of gross body problems, and lots of history. Consider yourself warned. This queen burninated the Protestants. <laughs> I just want to start going, burninating the countryside. Burninating the countryside. Mary! <laughs> go into our own little random world no this is the podcast where we take an alcohol-laden dive into the weird and quirky health histories and deaths of leaders throughout time i'm danielle i'm your co-host mike and i'm no no honey i can't believe i'm trogdor fine my name is amanda hi how are you doing she does still have the strong arm though I do. I have the big beefy <laughs> the arm. One big arm. The one bit, with my tiny. I batters. won't show. I won't show you my tiny wing though, because it's like on a growth on my back, and you don't want to see that. So there will be pictures later. <laughs> We're all a little goofy on a lack of sleep and cheap little Debbie pumpkin snack cakes. Yeah. And Why are they so good? Why are they so good? I'm a pastry chef. And I will grab a little Debbie over half other desserts any day. Mm -hmm. It's really bad. They're so good. Um, We are also tonight drinking a special beverage dedicated to strong women. This is Honey Grail's Boudicca's Uprising Sparkling Honey Mead. And we've had lots of mead before, but we never had a sparkling one. So this has been a really interesting It's a fancy mead. Yeah, it's actually, it's interesting because it's nice and light. It's not too fizzy. You get that heavy taste of honey mead without it being overwhelming and sweet on the tongue. It doesn't coat your mouth. It's like if you put tonic water in honey mead. Yeah, like, yeah, but it's not It's not in any way gross. It's really good. No, it's really good. Just nice and light. This is the honey mead you want on a summer night. And this was like summer tucked night. away in the corner of the liquor store. Like there was dust on it. <laughs> they, such a shame. They had to look it up in their system to make sure they were charging me the right price. And it's really tasty. So if you can get your hands on it, give it a try. And also, tonight's shout out is to Zombie Fishbowl. Zombie Fishbowl is one of our new favorite podcasts. The two ladies of Zombie Fishbowl just kind of take a weird dive into lots of weird things, kind of like we do. They've done everything from looking at different types of mummies to, well, I mean, I don't have a list in front of me. We've listened to a lot of episodes, but I'm running on no sleep. But the point is, you should listen to Zombie Fishbowl on your favorite podcast player. So today we are talking about Mary the First. Mary was born February 18th in 1516 in Greenwich, she was the daughter of King Henry VIII and his first wife, Catherine of Aragon. You should see Amanda's face right I'm now. I'm so proud of you. You pronounced it right. He said Greenwich. You correctly. said Greenwich instead of Greenwich. <laughs> no, Greenwich. Or Greenwich. Greenwich. <laughs> I'm That's so proud works. of you. Well, a Greenwich is what happens when you have too much lettuce on your sandwich. Are you a good sandwich. witch or a bad witch? I'm a Greenwich. I'm not a witch at all. Yes, you are. I oh, know. <laughs> anyway, I'm just very proud. Continue. 
She was described as a studious and bright girl who was educated by her mother and a governess. She was also a fine contralto singer. Pronounce that right, too. Mostly. Mostly. And had a great <laughs> ability with languages. Mm-hmm. Yet, despite all this, she was still betrothed to her cousin. What do you mean, yet, despite all this? That's just how it was done back then, yo. Yeah, I know, but... You it... gotta always boink someone in your family back then. Mm-hmm. If I was, like, super well-educated, I would not want to be betrothed to my cousin. Yeah. I just don't think you'd want to be betrothed to your cousin, period, period. but okay. But for that her, but, but because of her education, for her it was the normal thing. And let's face it, she was betrothed when she was just a kid anyway, so baby, actually. And spoiler alert, she didn't end up marrying him, but we'll get to that. <gasps> Shocker. I said spoiler alert. Spoilers. <laughs> So her cousin was the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V, or Charles I of Spain. But her life made a drastic change when her father remarried Anne Boleyn. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. So in the eyes of her father and England, she was a daughter born of incest and was no longer legit. Yeah, it's a really sad story. Basically, Henry decided to skirt around the Bible and took one particular passage that said something about a brother marrying his brother's wife and decided that meant it was incest and it couldn't, it couldn't be good. Even though the Pope had given a dispensation on the marriage. Mm -hmm. And we're planning on doing a really big like episode on Henry and his multiple wives and, and what we'll an get, asshole he was. Yeah. And it's, and get more into depth of how that all happened. Yeah. So, the new queen gave birth to a daughter, Elizabeth, and Mary was stripped of her title of princess, and, which was given to her new sister, and Mary was forced to act as her sister's lady-in-waiting. Just FYI, no, it's not normal if another baby is born to strip the title from the first child. Yeah, it's that just that in this, She got the princess title stripped away, not because she had a sister born, but because of the whole in, alleged incest issue. Yeah, so she was, they claim she was illegitimate, so she couldn't have the title of princess. Right, right. Mary was also forbidden from seeing her mother, and the only contact that they had was correspondence that was made in secret. Mary was also once ordered by Anne to enter a convent, but she refused to do so because she's stubborn like her father. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And mother. Do and what mother. you want to do. I just, my, I, I hurt. I hurt for her and for her mo mother, who we will also do an episode on because her mother was a bad ass. Mm-hmm. She was. Mary's relationship with her father was pretty strained. He had offered to pardon Mary if she acknowledged him as the head of the Church of England, and if she also acknowledged that she was the product of incest, and she refused. Good. She refused to do a lot of things she was supposed to do. Damn right. That is until her cousin, Emperor Charles, convinced her otherwise. And then she acknowledged her pappy as head of the Church of England and shit. And shit. But not the other parts. Just that part. This admittance was one of her deepest regrets. Later, she became the godmother to her half-brother, Prince Edward, and or to yet another wife. Yes. Was that wife number four? No, that was wife number three. That was wife Jane Seymour. So up to that point, he had been one for one. Well, kind of yes and no. He had one 
baby with each of those first three queens, but he also did have an illegitimate child with one of his queen's ladies-in-waiting, one of Catherine's, Catherine of Aragon's women. He just made a lot of babies. Yeah, and that was Henry Fitzroy. What does the Fitz mean, Amanda? It means you're a bastard! That's right. I learned things. Although Mary was an important figure, her movements were severely restricted. She was given permission by the new Queen Catherine Howard to return to court. And in 1544, although she was still considered not legit, she was granted the right to to succession to the throne after her brother Edward. Edward was crowned king after his pappy died in 1547. Edward then died shortly after in 1553. And Mary fled to Norfolk. And Lady Jane Grey was placed into power. Jane Grey was on the throne because Edward actually didn't want Mary to have the throne. He was a Protestant. Mary was still a very firm Catholic. Jane Grey and her family line do have a direct relation to the throne. Jane Grey's mother was the daughter of Henry VIII's sister and Henry VIII's friend, Charles Brandon. So she did have a claim there. And Edward was like, I want you to have the throne. And so her family got her... Actually, she did get permission, so to speak, to be on the throne from the powers that be. And so it's really unfair, in my opinion, that we still only just refer to her as Lady Jane Grey. Because in in all reality, she went through the right process and was queen. And it was not a nine-day queen, like people always say. But be as it may, Jane's on the throne right now. And Mary fled. Yeah. And Mary gathered her supporters and marched back down to London and reclaimed the throne for herself, even though Edward had ordered otherwise. Yeah, well, there's some discrepancy about whether or not the document got signed and officialized. And frankly, Mary's mother was really well loved by the people. They loved Queen Catherine, the first Queen Catherine. Mm -hmm. And so they were behind Mary far more than they were behind the Greys. A lot of people didn't like Jane Grey's family or her husband's family, so. But Mary herself liked Lady Jane Grey and didn't want to see her executed. Right, they were cousins. And they were actually raised together. They had a lot of the same education. Jane, Jane was much younger, but they did know each other quite well. But... Jane was executed anyways. Yep. And she was only, what, 16? Um, but it wasn't right away. It took a while. Yeah. Yeah, she was in the tower for a while. You can actually see somebody, possibly your husband, had carved the name Jane into one of the cells in the tower. Uh, so Mary wanted to restore the wealth taken by her father during the Reformation, but the nobles had grown rich from it and didn't want to give up their shit. Shocker! Which is most rich people. Which, spoiler alert, you'll have to listen to the Henry VIII episode to understand what all that means if you don't know already. Yeah, ah, we'll get to it. That's how we suck them in. Yeah. Keep them listening. Our, our, we're, we're, <laughs> we keep talking about this Henry VIII one because we're, we're not skipping him even though this would, you know, we should have done an episode of his before this. It's because it's gonna he's be a big so episode. complicated. Yeah. It might be a two-parter kind Probably going to be a two-parter. So that'll end this British segment of the show. So we will get there, we promise. Mary also wanted to bring the English people back to the Church of Rome. Shocker! (laughs) She freed the Roman Catholic Duke of Norfolk 
and Stephen Gardner and planned to marry Philip II of Spain, who was the son of her cousin that she was supposed to marry. Which is just kind of weird. And I'm going to talk about that. So this marriage was kind of an interesting marriage. So Mary was actually 37 years old when she finally decided to get married, which was quite kind of old to be getting married and thinking about having kids, especially Especially if she was from Utah. Well, especially if she was on the throne. Well, that's and, kind of old to be still alive, really. And her her ultimate goal was to produce an heir because she really wanted to prevent her Protestant half-sister, Elizabeth, from taking the throne. So she knew that she needed an heir. So she knew she had to get married. So her cousin Charles V, who was who she was originally betrothed to, suggested that she actually marry his only son, Prince Philip of Spain. They had a few marriage negotiations, a part of which Philip sent her a painting of himself as, like, a wedding gift. So that's like, she was like, dude, bro, send me a selfie. Basically. Yeah, that was a very normal thing back then, and that would actually sometimes make her break a potential wedding contract. Like, pitch you ugly. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) But they agreed to the marriage. Um, It was very, pretty strictly political. So she swiped left. Yeah. yeah, she she really had, they really had no attraction to each other. It was strictly no. political. And he was like, you totally lied on your profile picture. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, he doesn't care. Look, She's queen of England. He's going to marry picture, her. If you look at her pictures, she was certainly not unattractive, yeah. especially when she was younger. So the problem was, is that Mary thought this was a great idea of a marriage. However, the marriage was extremely unpopular with the English. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of the English who were opposed to it were Protestants who feared that her getting married and having a heir would mean that Catholicism would con- continue to reign and um, be on the throne. Mm-hmm. But Plus Mary they were almost on the brink of war with Spain. So. Yeah. So there was a lot of people who were opposed to it, but Mary kept insisting that she was going to marry Philip. So as a response, a man named Thomas Wyatt decided to lead a force from Kent to get rid of Mary in favor of her half-sister Elizabeth. He was the father of Lady Jane. which is, Well, he worked with the father of Lady Jane for this. Yeah, I was going to say, he wasn't her dad. He worked with the father <laughs> of Lady Jane on this. So they were doing this whole march to dethrone Mary, get rid of her, kill her, whatever, all in Elizabeth's name. And it's important to point out, Elizabeth was not actually involved in this. No. At all. Was she in the Tower of London during at this time? No, it was she, just, was in, she was being held basically captive, but in a castle. Yeah, I think I think it was Hereford Castle. I'm not sure if I remember that correctly. So Mary declared publicly as a response that she would summon Parliament to discuss the marriage, and if Parliament decided that the marriage was not a good idea, she wouldn't do it. Um, however, Wyatt continued to still march on to London. He was almost immediately defeated and captured. Wyatt, the Duke of Suffolk, his daughter Lady Jane, different Lady Jane, important to point out, and her husband were all executed for attempting to dethrone Mary. And a Mary li- gave a rousing speech to raise the populace against Wyatt. Yeah, but it didn't take much. A lot of people didn't seem to like Wyatt anyway. <laughs> Elizabeth, although she protested that she was innocent, she had no idea that she was of the Wyatt affair, was then imprisoned for the tower, in the Tower of London for about two months. Um, but after that, she was put under house arrest at Woodstock Palace. So she was in the Tower, but only for a couple months. Mary didn't really blame her. Um, that sounds like a romance sorry. novel, The Wyatt Affair. 
The Wyatt Affair. Philippa Gregory, get on that. So Mary, just a fun fact, uh, in discluding the reign of Empress Matilda and Lady Jane Grey, was technically England's first queen regent. Mm-hmm. So when she married Philip, because Parliament got together, voted, and actually voted in favor of her marrying Philip. So her and Philip got married. However, there was a lot of rules about mm-hmm. his being married to her. So they came up with something called Queen Mary's Marriage Act, which said that Philip would be this would be styled to be King of England. All official documents would include both of their names and dates whenever she signed anything, and Parliament would be would call upon them as a joint authority. But actually, Philip was not King of England. She yep. was the Queen Regent, and he really had absolutely. No power. Um, He not only had to do everything that his wife said, he was not allowed to appoint anyone into office, especially foreigners, a.k.a. his Spaniard friends, Mm -hmm. and basically just lived doing nothing. He wasn't allowed to support his father in the wars. England didn't have to give them any support. Nothing. And Philip didn't really like the conditions, but he agreed to it for securing the marriage. And then he just didn't spend much time in England ever. He really didn't. They didn't have a very good marriage. They got along decently, but there was no romantic feelings between the two of them. Um, He knew that it was strictly political. There are even some rumors that he hit on Elizabeth. Yep. Mary is queen regent. She has married. And, of course, we were talking about one of the reasons she got married was to produce an heir. Because women are just baby factories. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, in September 1554, so not too long after she took the throne, Mary stopped menstruating. She gained a lot of weight, felt nauseated in the mornings, obvious signs of pregnancy. And for this reason, these reasons, her entire court, including her doctors, everyone believed that she was pregnant. In fact, they were so convinced that she was pregnant, Parliament passed an act making Philip regent in the event of Mary's death and childbirth, because it's so likely that women would die in childbirth mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. So in the last week of April in 1555, about time she should be due, Elizabeth was released from house arrest and was actually called to court as a witness to the birth, because Mary actually kind of liked Elizabeth. She wanted Elizabeth to be there. But the problem was, no baby came. Yeah. And so they waited a little while longer. Yep. And, and no baby came. A lot of rumors started going around um, London that she had had a child, that she had had a son. There were soon rumors across Europe that she had given birth to an heir. Churches were ringing bells. Yep. But then it became May and then June, and then she was far past where she should have been to be giving birth. Um, and it led to them realizing that she was not pregnant. She had had a false pregnancy, and Danielle's going to go into a little bit about what that means and how that could have happened to Mary. Okay, so with Mary, it's kind of a mix of a couple of different things, most likely. It's most likely a mix of a condition called pseudosciasis, which is the belief that you're expecting a baby when you're not, and this is usually a psychiatric condition. You end up having the symptoms of pregnancy because our brains are very, our psyches are very powerful things. You basically convince your body you're pregnant. Well, you don't. Your brain Your does. brain does. Yeah, yeah, your brain convinces your body that it so is pregnant. So some women will have a hysterical pregnancy where they psychologically just desperately want it and they'll tell people they're pregnant. 
They'll act like they're going through a pregnancy. They'll become, they'll tell people what a due date, they'll show pictures, but they never actually develop any of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. But with something like pseudosciasis, they do get the symptoms. Sometimes all of them, except for, of course, an actual fetus. Yeah, like we were saying, she stopped menstruating, mm -hmm. she grew a stomach, she right, had right. morning the sickness. Gains, the nausea, yeah, the backaches, everything. But here's why I tend to think it was a mix of that and something else. Can it's, they it's, also start lactating as well? Some women Sometimes, do. yeah. But to be fair, you can lactate even if you're not pregnant anyway. Yeah. So... Uh, it's hormonal related. It's hormones. It's pure hormones. I thought so, it was because boobs are magic. That too. <laughs> but men can lactate also. It's what? Based, yeah, it's based there on hormones. There have been known where men have lactated, yeah. Yeah. So my guess is, and we'll get more into this when we get to her actual death, is that she probably had an underlying problem with her reproductive organs, with her hormones, some sort of imbalance in there. And that because, I mean, Amanda, you know, in our family with all the women who have endometriosis and things like that, you can get really weird irregular periods uh -huh. and you can get really weird growths that make your stomach look like you're pregnant. Your period your period times and your PMSing times, you can get the really sore boobs and, and have it be sore for everything. two weeks, not just like yeah. a couple days over and, your period. And with most women during a most people, I should say, to be correct. Most people who go through pregnancy aren't like that every single day either. It's very possible she had a pseudosciasis and a reproductive system disorder of some sort. And the two were combining into making it appear very realistically like she was pregnant. My other guess with this is that doctors would actually give you a physical exam when you were a, a royal person and sometimes with nobility to check for pregnancy symptoms. And... That would include things like basically reaching up to see if the uterus is growing from mm -hmm. the inside. And if you've got certain kinds of, of reproductive organ disorders, well, let's just put it this way. When I had my hysterectomy and they removed my uterus, I hadn't had a baby in 13 years and my uterus was heavy and overdeveloped. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was stretched out. So it's possible that she had a combination of both. That's what I tend to lean towards. At this point, it got to being almost August and, you know, she should have had a baby four months before. Mm -hmm. They realized that the pregnancy was false. It and... took four months for them to figure this out. Right. It's kind of like, um... And Mary <laughs> fell into... Well, they may have been standing around, like, days go by and they're just like, um, so who's going to tell her? Yeah. Basically. Because <laughs> I don't want to be burninated. So, right. <laughs> so Mary considered her fake her false present pregnancy god's punishment for having tolerated heretics in her realm aka protestants that breaks my heart so philip left england at that time to command his armies against france and mary was was really heartbroken and she fell into this really really horrible depression um they actually, at one point, one of her friends wrote that she had actually fallen extraordinarily in love with her husband, even though Philip never seemed to show the same feelings. And she had just lost what she thought was a baby and her husband left and all of this kind of stuff. Some time went by and then not too long afterwards, Philip came back and Mary actually had a second false pregnancy. So before we get to the end of that one, Mike, take us into a bit of why Mary is the burninator. Yes. So as we were saying, she felt like 
her loss of a child that she'd never had was a God's punishment for total, for tolerating heretics in her realm. AKA Protestants. Yeah. So she burninated them. We shouldn't laugh. It's really it's really sad, but yeah, like, as far as dying goes, um, being lit go. on fire is really bad. Yeah, it's interesting. One of my main sources for this is Britannica.com, and they describe Mary as a ruler who, who unlike her father, disliked cruel punishments and signing death warrants. And yet, and yet. Mary went and relentlessly pursued the Protestants. She executed people who rebelled against her. People were put into gibbets. And about 300 Protestants were found and burned at the stake. Another 800 were sent into exile. I think it's also important to point out that even though up until this point, she had had a relatively good relationship with Elizabeth... This kind of started putting her and Elizabeth at odds with at each odds other. with each yeah. other. In fact, Philip at one point tried to convince Mary to have Elizabeth marry his cousin, and Elizabeth refused. Yeah, because it was another vain attempt to basically make Elizabeth Catholic, and it, that on top of her starting to execute Protestants, her and Elizabeth's relationship really started to go downhill. Yeah. Philip visited Mary again in 1557. So again, this is only a couple years after she found out that her first pregnancy was false. And after his visit, she was convinced that she was pregnant again, with the baby being due in March of 1558. She decreed at the time that it was her will that her husband would be regent during the minority of their child, if she passed away in childbirth. But yet again... Time came for her to have a baby. Nothing happened. There was no child. So she went through this twice in her life. And the second time, it was much worse. She actually started having fits where she would have to go to bed for long lengths of time for extreme pain. Mm -hmm. She had random breakout bleeding. She lost her appetite. She was extremely ill. And you have to remember at this point, she's in her late 30s. So, you know, this is already later age for women to have a child. And she was going through this really thinking that she, this time she, because she had been doing the right thing by burning Protestants and all of that kind of stuff. Burninating Protestants. Burninating the Protestants that she was. I think she was actually in her 40s by this point. She was in her late 30s and early 40s with both of the pregnancies. Yeah, she was like Um, 42 when she died. So at this point, baby did not exist and she was forced to accept that Elizabeth was going to be her lawful successor. Yes. Despite the fact there was no baby, by this point, like I said, Mary was very ill. Now, here's where I think she developed cancer. Uh, Cancer can take a while to fully develop its symptoms. And whereas before she potentially had some sort of uh, an ovarian or uterine disease of some sort, uh, this time around... From the beginning of her alleged pregnancy, she was much sicker than she'd been before, and she really just started wasting away. And by the time they knew for sure she was not actually going to have a baby, she was very nearly bedridden the entire time till she died. By that summer, she she was still eating when she could, but she had wasted away to practically nothing, and she was bleeding mm-hmm. regularly. She also had an extremely strange lump in her abdomen. 
So this leads me to believe that she most likely had some sort of uterine or ovarian cancer, which we know that when you have certain imbalances of hormones, it can make you more prone to those diseases. So Imbalance of humors as well. <laughs> mm. Yes, definitely. Well, and I mean, if she had, you know, two of these false pregnancies with signs of actually being pregnant, which could have been some sort of, you know, problem with her, you know, her reproductive organs, those kind of problems can lead to things like cancer and cysts and mm-hmm. do they like lead that. to cancer or no they, they don't necessarily lead cancer. to cancer they don't necessarily but lead they can to make it, you more likely yeah they can okay. be sometimes to have a cancer but the other thing too is she could very well have if if philip was there and i i don't know for sure if he was there between her realization that she wasn't pregnant and then dying she could have actually ended up with an ectopic pregnancy based on the fact that she just very rapidly died when she did. She just went downhill very fast. She was bleeding. It was really painful. Um, She also could have had ovarian cysts that were rupturing. Uh, There are so many things that could be going on here. But my guess is it was some sort of uterine, ovarian, or uh, cervical cancer. She died at St. James Palace in London on the 17th of November, 1558, she is interred at Westminster Abbey with her sister Elizabeth, and we'll get to that in our next episode. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she was not, I just want to make it clear, Mary was not a bad ruler. She was just, she wasn't one who, who made a positive impact on England. Mm-hmm. Which, given the fact that her mother was such a formidable and amazing woman, is kind of surprising. But she was just so full of grief and anger over what had happened to her mother, which you'll hear about in our Henry episode. And, and in grief and anger episode. of losing children she believed she had. And yes. And that she just, she basically lost her shit. Yeah, she was a little cuckoo. So that is the rather tragic tale of Mary the First. Which then led into Elizabeth I succeeding to the throne, mm-hmm. which is who Ooh. we'll be talking about next episode. Yes. Along with Mary, Queen of Scots, so we can pick part parts of the movie and tell you why it was wrong. I can't wait to do that. <laughs> and really, just both of those women had really fascinating lives and rules, and how they intertwined is very important. So that's the sad tale of Mary I. Anything else? Well, in that, to wrap this all up, folks, be sure to find us on the social medias. On Twitter, we are at Monarch Malarkey. We are also on Instagram. You can either search Monarchs and Malarkey or just our username, Monolarkey. Thank you for Mark Gelter for the artwork and Jake Gelter for the music. And uh, catch you on the flip side, peasants. Burninating the Protestants. Mary!